Hi, this is Tony Silva. And Charles Wiz. And this is episode 167, we think. We think. Uh, <laughs> we think. We th- uh, of, two te- of two teachers talking. You know, Charles and I get together every month, talk about teaching, fun, problems, uh, easy stuff and hard stuff. And today we're going to do a little hodgepodge, a couple of mini topics. Um Talk about uh, syllabus preparation, which is something that probably is appearing in your email from your various schools around this time, or very soon. It'll be soon. Um, Yeah. And uh, grading preparation, Uh, you know, grading at the end of the the semester, it it seems like a, a long way off now. Um, and some for some of some of it, it is for some people it's not it's a everyone's on a different calendar but we've got time now that we might not have later <laughs> so uh this might it might be a good thing to start thinking about how we're going to do that now and also looming much closer on the horizon is a winter break and uh we can maybe talk about different ways to use that to our advantage. So one good topic and two things that are usually not that fun for teachers. So the good topic is the winter break one? <laughs> I was going to say, oh, it's, Wait, it's which grading. Which the good one? Which are the two bad ones? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's grading. I really, really like grading. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, but if you could make it easier, that's a good topic. Well, I guess you just gave it away. <laughs> is it possible to make great? Well, let's stay in the and order. Easier. Okay. Yes, of course. It's always e- better to make it easier. You give everybody A's or S's. Or F's. <laughs> or F's. But that's neither one will win you any friends in, no, uh, it's, in the uh, academy. That's, and that, that's not going to be among our recommendations. Okay. Well, I guess we should stay in order. You said that we were going to do syllabus, then grading, then the winter break. So yeah. let's start off with syllabus. And Tony, okay. what are you kind of thinking about? I mean, usually when I think syllabus, I'm thinking syllabus design, putting the syllabus together, uh, you know, those kinds of things. What are you thinking? And, and and it's kind of that because even before you sit down to put anything to paper, you in your mind you've got some idea of what it is that you want to teach and what you want them to learn and uh what the outcome should be you know the the success and everything else um and then you somehow you've got to like translate that into a written document of some kind and i think one of the th- or things early on um because you know human beings and you know maybe, maybe teachers maybe a little bit more self-focused um it's really a good idea to sit down before you do too much work and f- find out what it is that's required by the institution. Because some schools are very wide, wide open, very free, whatever. Um, others will be much less so. And you'll have to, you know, include A, B, C, and D. And you may need to include, uh, detailed uh, information about your evaluation and your grading. Uh, so it's, and especially if you're teaching a number of different schools, it's, it's very easy to get the, you know, the different requirements confused. So sit down and take a look and see exactly what it is that is required. 
Read the manual. There you go. Well, I'm thinking, well, or I was thinking, not I am thinking while you were talking. <laughs> I can't even get my tense right. Um, there's kind of three or so situations I think people will find themselves in. The first one is where the school gives you a syllabus. Uh-huh. Right, and you... Then and ha- you, you and, can just fast forward to the part two. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go talk about grading. And then the other one is where, as you say, that the school has things they want you to cover. They have some directions and some things that you need to include. Um, and that's, well, Yeah, whether it's content or whether it's administrative in terms of like submission, format, Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The number of times you'll give classes, is there a final exam? Is there not a final exam? Is this part of a you know another course? You know, for example, I teach a LR class and half the grade is from me and half the grade is from the students' TOEFL scores. So mm. it's important to, you know, make sure that that's you know explained in the syllabus to students. Right. So that's the second situation. And the third situation is where the teacher has complete freedom to do pretty much what they want. And I, I mean, I, I, I work under that situation where I have all three. Mm-hmm. I have a, mm-hmm. you know, some syllabus that are syllabi, syllabuses. <laughs> yeah, my, my situation was similar too. They were all over the place. Right. So it's kind of, you know, it forces you to jump around. But let's just say that the first situation where you're given a syllabus and you're told, okay, follow the syllabus, I think actually is the one that most teachers I know really chafe at. They don't care for that particularly, even though the wor- most of the work's been done for you. It's kind of like the best way is to compare that is that you've just paid for a package tour and – They've told you, you know, this is the itinerary and this is where you're going to go and this is how many days you're going to spend in each place. And there are and pe- you can't go to the museum that you really wanted to see. <laughs> right, because... Now, I, I chafe. I'm one of those chafers okay. or chafees. Okay. So I am not surprised by that, Tony. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, no surprise. You should, have, you should have said, oh, you love that. And I would have been able to like, oh, let's riff on that for a while. <laughs> but exactly, that you could go to your museum if you can find time to fit it in in the free time that's been created. So let's just keep going with this kind of travel analogy. The second situation is where you have some requirements. And basically, those more to be considered constraints on your travel. And so you are given, you know, here's your starting point and here's your end point. And this is, you know, you have to figure out, you know, how long you're going to stay at each place and which places you want to go, et cetera. And the third one is what is, you know, obviously the hardest one is when you're given complete control of the syllabus and, you know, you're putting it all together. But, as in any kind of traveling situation, it's really good to know where you're starting from, but it's really important to know what the destination is. And even with a syllabus, I think, that has been given to you, you always want to start with what are the goals and objectives. And of course, I'm taking this from Understanding by Design by Wiggins and oh, I forget the second guy's name. Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Grant Wiggins, who passed away a number of years ago, but was had a great blog. And he and uh, the other author wrote a book called Understanding by Design. And we've talked about this before, Tony, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you start with the goals and objectives, and then you create your assessment instruments, and then you come up with yeah. the classes and the activities to accomplish that. And even in the syllabus that's given to you, you can use that because you just have to determine what are the real outcomes, the expected outcomes that are needed, and then you design around that. So the principles of syllabus design will work for all three, but one is not as much fun because you've been told what to do. The second one is more interesting and doesn't really require you to like really go you know full scale out and the third one which is where you get to design everything is the most fun but is also the most amount of work mhm so what do yeah we- i like that i like i like that analogy yeah and it's- um the i think the other i think another variable in this is uh the Mm. I forget the word, but <laughs> we're at that folks. age. I, uh, right, right, right. But how much correlation is there between? Does there need to be between the syllabus and what's happening in class? So, I I won't mention any names or even any universities, but I think you and I have discussed, uh, maybe not on the podcast, um, an instructor who each semester submitted a syllabus saying something like, you know, this class will continue to maintain the illusion of uh, attaining English proficiency, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was, it was a complete satire. And I think he did it until he retired. Really? Um, I, I and think so, you yeah, mentioned this yeah. before. Yeah. 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 And it's, and it's true. It's a true story. Um, I don't have a copy of that, but I can probably get one. Um, but sometimes, yes, you're, you know, you submit your syllabus and that's what you are expected to do. And other times you're asked to submit a syllabus and it's pro forma and it may or may not have anything to do with reality. Um, uh, what I do or did, um, whether, you know, which any of those three itineraries I was, I was on, I would in my syllabus, I would be only as specific as necessary. And I did that uh, because um, I enjoyed having the option of, after I, my first class meeting with a, with a specific class saying, okay, <laughs> I need to redo everything because these kids, you know, what I put in the syllabus is way, way, way too easy. Or it's way, way too difficult, and we're just going to have to do something else. And that that happened to me very specifically. I think I've told the story, but probably on the podcast before, where I got uh, my first day at a very, very good university, uh, very highly esteemed in in the Kansai area, which, but I hadn't been teaching at very good university. I didn't have that many high level students. And um, it went, you know, the first day of class to explain what I was going to kind of do. And I said, are there any questions? And a hand goes up, which is an oddity all by itself. 
And the, this guy in the back of the class says, yeah, I, yeah, I've got a question. He says, have you ever regretted becoming a teacher? Okay, I got to go home and I got to redo the syllabus because <laughs> I, yeah, whatever I put out there, these guys did this years ago. They, they, they know everything that I was planning on teaching them. I've got to go back to scratch. And I, so I try to build in that, that flexibility from the beginning if I can. Yeah, you've told that story a couple of times. I always enjoy it. Yeah, the, <laughs> it was a moment. <laughs> well, the problem for me, and you know, I've been doing this for a long time, but it always surprises me, you know, and shocks me as to how much I can either overestimate or underestimate the abilities of my students. And uh, okay. this is, you know, even teaching at the same institution and teaching the same level classes there's going to be variability between the years. But the thing about – I want to talk about syllabus, just to kind of segue a little bit here, so, Tony. Not mm -hmm. Sonny, mm -hmm. Tony. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It's very early here where I mm -hmm. am. Is that, as you said, that built-in flexibility, which is needed because the problem for me – is not variation between, let's say, um, uh, a high-level, intermediate, low-intermediate class, the differences between those classes. Every year, I struggle with the variability within classes. Mm -hmm. So I'm teaching, let's say, an advanced class, and I'm given an advanced class, and somebody says, please Well, yeah, you can't assume that that's every student in the class is quote-unquote advanced. Well, the thing is, right, exactly, and how they're advanced and how mm. that's assessed and measured is really different. So, for example, mm. I teach uh, um, a writing class at one school, and I think they tell me I get the best students who have tested the highest – and I have returnee students in that class, and I have some foreign students in that class. And I was talking the other day and explaining something, and it was obvious that one student was really struggling trying to understand my explanation, which was you know, not – had been simplified reasonably enough even for advanced students because I like simple explanations for tasks. Hmm. But the point I'm trying to make is that if you make a syllabus and unless you build in some kind of flexibility into it, you're not going to be able to adjust unless you know something that I don't. And I think that's an important point because, as you say, there are some places that the syllabus is really just a formality. It's a document you have to put in because it's required by the Ministry of Education and the schools just want it there. And in other places, it's a real serious document and that people will hold you to it. So you have to make sure you understand how your school is treating that syllabus. I think that's a real key thing as well. Yes. But you're right. I, I, I think the syllabus um, should be – developed after the first meeting. And <laughs> it should be, should th and be, right? At my main job, there's some classes, um, general education, English general education classes I have to teach. And it actually says, here is the syllabus from 
you know, this school, the general syllabus, but it says to this, it says, we get a document that says, actually says, you can develop your syllabus after meeting the students, mm. which is such a sensible thing to do. <laughs> if, you're an ex- if you're an experienced teacher yeah. and you have a lot of knowledge and experience to draw on, if you're a new teacher, to be put in that situation says, wait a second, I get a general syllabus and then I'm supposed to make my syllabus after meeting the students for the first time and that gives me a week or so to make the syllabus. Mm. And if you find yourself in that situation or in any situation, in every one of my syllabi, in every syllabus, there is like my – what is it? It's called a writer. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, And it just says the syllabus will – change or be altered or adapted based on the needs of the students in this class and something along those lines. So I have that built in that says, hey, this Mm. is a tentative document. This is a work in project. This is kind of a roadmap. It's a tentative itinerary and – you know, it's a nice little little fur below there. Yeah, a nice little extra thing there for people to add in. Uh, yeah, I never did that, but I wish I had. But that's it's that, in that's every nice syllabus, touch. and I announce yeah. it to the class. I go, "Here's a syllabus. Let's go over it." I said, "The grade, the grading won't necessarily change. The evaluation won't change. The methods of evaluation might change. For example, it says here if it says there's a written, you know, midterm, it might be turned into a project depending on you know student preferences and how students seem to you know best be able to demonstrate their learning and their understanding. So build in the flexibility and you know make sure the students know that. Although I'm always amazed when I say to my students, I go, "How many of you have read the syllabus?" Well, I've, I've always been amazed by how many of them have. It depends on the school. It depends on the school. Yeah, because I ordered one time and said, like, "Well, there's a syllabus, but nobody's read it, right? Who's read it?" And the cl- <laughs> they all raise their hands. I go, "Come on, come on, come on! Really? No, no, no! I read it." Well, well I, okay. I was surprised once where a lot of hands came up and they said they read the syllabus, and I said, "Okay, how many people read the whole syllabus?" No hands went up. And I went, oh, I got it now. And then I said, how many people only read the grading part? And everyone's <laughs> hands went up. Yeah, yeah, they weren't yeah. concerned with you know what was actually happening in the class because it's an assigned class. It's a required class. They don't have an option, which is, I think, where they would be reading the syllabus if they had a choice. Yeah. But yeah, the syllabus should be a living document. Yeah, I and think. and when you're sitting down along with like you know, again, we talked about that flexibility, and one of the things that um, that I need that uh, because I try to give the students themselves as much input as possible into mm. how they will be evaluated and what they're going to do. And if I'm writing the syllabus three months before I meet them, that's not very easy to do. Uh, so yeah, I always build in that. Um, flexibility and also you know with with in terms of like goals and objectives and stuff to make sure to be realistic um mm, good point and you know again it depends institution to institution and you know what level class you're teaching and so forth and so on and so often the it's the institution that imposes some sometimes some very unrealistic uh expectations on you and yeah you've got to deal with that somehow and um the other thing that, that can be really helpful, especially you talked about, you know, like like you know, less experienced teachers, 
and Charles, I hope you're sitting down, um, to when you're, when you're confronted with that situation, when you really not know what's going on, um, collaborate. Ask your your colleagues, your peers, and the other teachers, like, you know, what's your syllabus? Can I, can I look at your syllabus? I mean, someone who's teaching the same class, can I look at it? Um, ask your director um, for guidance. Um, it's you're going to get good information. You're going to demonstrate that you that you care, <laughs> um, and that you want to do a good job. There's it's kind of a win win. You can't really lose, and you're free to ignore their advice. Don't don't tell them that. But um, to ask if you're if you're feeling overwhelmed, like what Charles said, it's like yes, you have to <laughs> write your syllabus after the first class and do it in the first week. It's like ah. Uh, um, you know, ask others how they handle that. Uh, and you, you, you get some pretty good information. Yeah. While you were talking, Tony, an idea popped in my head. And before I talk about that, I just want to say, yeah, it's always helpful to ask people, you know, what do you do? How do you do it? Mm -hmm. There's not enough, uh, at, well, most of my schools, there's just not enough communication between teachers. And I work at, you know, one place where I almost never talk to anybody. I think I've never talked to another teacher except to say hi one time. And, uh, you know, it's something you should reach out. You should try to do. But yep. I want to, before I forget this idea uh, that came up while you were talking, I realized that what I wish I had done and I think, you know, I hope I can do in the future is that I'm going to put into my syllabus like every four weeks, and it's going to say syllabus course correction cool. day, what? right? I like and, that. You know, and the idea is that the students know that, okay, at this yeah, point, we're gonna, gonna assess, we're going to assess together. Look. You're going to yeah. talk about what's working, what's not working for you. And if we need to readjust the syllabus, and then, you know, you make the full semester syllabus again. And then four weeks later, you have another course correction. And that that seems like a something I'd like to test out. I want to see how that goes. And it gets student feedback, gets student yes. input. Yes, yes. And I think it also will legally cover you. <laughs> yeah. In yeah. terms of, you know, if somebody says, well, you didn't follow the syllabus. And you say, well, look, it's clearly in the syllabus that it says every four weeks – the class together, the teacher and the students will review and assess the syllabus and, you know, make any changes to better meet the needs of the students. Be yeah, an I've done something thing. just like that, but informally, not right. in the syllabus. I explain it to them on the first day of class. It says, you know, this is the first time I'm teaching this class. This is what we're going to do. We're going to, you know, you know, get our heads together several weeks on and, and see how it goes and readjust as necessary. Mm -hmm. I didn't do the CYA thing on the syllabus, but. Yeah. I'm just thinking for anyone who's in that situation because. It's I, a good, it's a great idea. Yeah. Because I do course corrections all the time and I tell my students, again, as I said, it's, you know, it says this is a tentative plan and I'll make changes and I'll say, okay, I've changed, I've made some changes, but I think building it in. Every few you know weeks, and students know that they're participating in that, and that it's part of their job is to give feedback is kind of a useful thing to do. And one thing that might be helpful to people is that there's a, a an app or software called Craft. Tony, have you used Craft at all? 
Uh, I've played with it, but okay. I don't use Craft it. Craft is a, a document. Uh, it's a free. There's a free version, and there's an um, educator's mm-hmm. version that allows you to cr- create documents, and it lets you. I guess it's like Google Documents. It lets you make um, a link to a document, and you can then update that document, and it's reflected immediately when once students refresh or re um you know link to you know mm-hmm. click on getting that document so if you have a syllabus my suggestion would be put it into something like google docs um which of course you know i would for privacy reasons um try to you know hold back on using google but something like craft where if you update the document it immediately is reflected Mm. in the students when they access it. And by the way, really helpful when you find a mistake. You can you know, fix a mistake. <laughs> you don't have to re-upload a document and then link to it again you know, through an, um, a learning management system. So that's just a suggestion, a practical suggestion. If you're going to be adapting your syllabus and you want to be able to do it easily with one document and a link to a document that doesn't change. Yeah. Okay. You think we've got- and I got I got two points. Okay. Uh, I have like one is like you know when you're you're doing the syllabus is and you know for some of us you know it's we've been doing the same class for five ten years and it's really easy to do a copy and paste. Um, sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes you, it's a new class, uh, and it, you, you approach it with a different mental uh, mental frame of mind. But it is worth before you do that paste <laughs> it might be worth a look to make sure that you know you, you take a look and see you just like refresh your mind it's like well what worked and what didn't and how you can make it better and if you start early enough like now you know look at what's working what's not working and maybe it's time to to change some of those things um and and maybe to even think about setting up some kind of self-monitoring system for yourself so that when things go really well, you have a, a special place to make a note or something's when something bombs consistently. It's like, well, take that out. <laughs> Don't do that next year. Do something different. And the, the other thing um, that, that I'll mention that I hope doesn't spiral into a whole other, because, you know, we've got these mini topics. We've got to keep moving. Um, one of the things that can, could be quite helpful, actually, especially if you're doing like a, a fresh syllabus, GPT. Um, it is pretty interesting. You can't have it do your syllabus for you. I mean, you could, but that's probably not the, the brightest thing to do. But if you ask, for example, and GPT to give you a syllabus and give it the parameters that are relevant for your situation. It might throw some stuff at you that is like, oh, that's <laughs> that's a really good idea. I hadn't thought of that, but maybe I'll include it. Um, in uh, I, you know, actually, I suggested this to to somebody else at another school um, because the school was like asked them to do like this fall. For next year, ask them to submit syllabi, and it's like in the next week, uh, I guess they're doing some kind of like you know, you know institutional review, national, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that sounds like accreditation. Some, yes, like that. So they all had to do that, and I said to somebody, "It's like 
tell your director about the GPT. <laughs> Just like that's you know, it's not going to do the job for you, but it's going to put you on the right track. And the same thing, I, I gave this same advice to somebody who was doing a presentation, and it's like, yeah, just have it. Ask it to do the presentation. Keep refining your 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 terms, and it's going to get you close. Then you take what it spits out, and then you make it what you want it to be. But it, for especially for like a first time class where you, you know, we might not be that comfortable with that particular topic or content, where we might have to do some things on our own, or we're not really, you know, have, have don't have enough experience in that area. It can be a big help. That's a good point. And if you think about how ChatGPT works, it has access to pretty much all the syllabi that have been made in the English language. (laughs) And and it's going to take out the most common and it's going to throw it out there. And it's like, yeah, this is exactly what I thought I meant. (laughs) One thing that it might be helpful for our listeners is that when you do use ChatGPT, and it is a matter of when you will try it – so if you use it, you want to start off with the phrase, act as a, and then fill that in. So for example, here you would say, act as an EFL, English as foreign language, or ESL instructor. Design at a university a sil- in Japan. Pardon me, right. And then you would say, right, an EFL. Refine, refine, refine. Right, exactly. So you keep adding information. Act as an EFL instructor in Japan teaching an intermediate listening and reading class. The goal of the class is to help students achieve a 500-level TOEFL score. There are 15 weeks to the class. Create a syllabus that help students improve their listening and reading abilities, make a list of goals and objectives, and, you know, then let it go. (laughs) And you will be surprised at what it can produce. And the key to using ChatGPT, and I see why you said, you know, you didn't want to go off the deep end here. (laughs) The key to using ChatGPT is never accept the first um, output, the you know, the first piece of output. Look at it, review it, look at it, and then tell it what you want or tell it it didn't do what you want. Ask it to refine something. But it's a good way to go to get yeah. some ideas. And Yeah, just iterate those prompts. Yeah, it's yeah. always reiterate, reiterate, reiterate. Okay. So maybe that's a good place to stop on the syllabus. And the next yeah, thing we yeah, have yeah, is I think so. favorite thing for every teacher, which is grading. Grading. Uh, I like grading. You I like, like grading? grading. I like grading. I hate it. It's a, it's for me. It's it's a it's a, a chance to see what students have accomplished. Um, I like I like I really enjoy when like somebody like improves over the, the of the the semester, and like they come out at the end and like they do a really good job. And it's like yeah 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 I, I like it. And then I don't mind working on the computer. I don't mind working on spreadsheets. I mean the volume can be onerous, but. Uh, the actual uh, the grading itself, I, I don't mind so much. Okay, and are we going to separate grading from providing feedback? And we'll just look at how to grade and how to efficiently grade. I don't know. I think I think maybe we should separate them. Maybe because we we're talking about grading prep, and, and so like systems. now it's pretty early. So let's like talk about what we might do to make that grading job easier in the fall. But. This also would be maybe, for some schools, too late. 
but it might might be the best time to give students feedback so that um, they can perform better by the end of the semester. I don't know. I always thought that was the purpose of a midterm project or exam. Mm. Okay. The first thing, though, let's be practical here. And I don't mean to offend anyone here. But if you're not using a spreadsheet by now to do your – you know where I'm going with this one. <laughs> Spread, spreadsheets or go away. Yeah. If, if you're not using a spreadsheet and you don't want, to be a, don't want to be a spreadsheet user, just stop the podcast now. <laughs> I still see people mm. with calculators figuring grades. So the first thing is learn how to use a spreadsheet. It's not that difficult. If, um, you know, if you don't want to – have access to paying for like Microsoft Excel. There's a thing called LibreOffice. Yeah, yeah, there's free alternatives. There's lots of free, free things. Learn and then learn the formulas, you know, to learn how to make sums, learn how to get averages, et cetera, et cetera. They're not that hard. Uh, and they're really – right. They're, it's not that hard. I can do it. It's not that hard. Like a, a lay person can do it with just putting in a little bit of time. And there's enough tutorials on YouTube to help you get through it. So get the And probably even templates and things that you can just download and use theirs. Right. And the other thing is that most schools have a system where you can download the class list and then just copy and paste that or turn their list. It will be in a – Excel file format or a comma-separated value format, uh, and you turn that into a spreadsheet, and the student numbers are there, the names are there, and oftentimes there's an email address. So it's really, even if you're not grading, it's a great way to just be able to have information on your students. Right. And what I always do, I always have the pictures uh, of the students there, which I know, privacy, blah, blah, blah. Um, But here, like, you know, you're talking about grading prep, but grading hmm, related, but, you know, it's also possible with the spreadsheets to just make notes. So, for example, you may have noticed the last two or three weeks, a particular student, you know, something, right? They seem like depressed or they're trying really hard or they're really frustrated. No, you just, by their name, you just make a note. And so that when it comes time for the grading, it's like, Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, I re- I remember. Yes, um, I just could not. I think might have told the story before, but yeah, I had a, a student once, and uh, you know, she was always looking at her phone. I'm saying, you know, this is which is unusual in my classes for whatever reason, but it was so it was noticeable. And then it's like, okay, so I I do my lap around the classroom, um. You know, she's looking at the a photograph of her dog funeral. So her dog died, and is that the little arrangement that 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 they do in Japan? It's like she's just she's not she's not you know on TikTok or doing anything else. She's just looking at her dead dog, and it's like, don't oh boy, I'm glad I looked before I opened my mouth. But also make a note <laughs> that okay, this kid had a traumatic experience in the middle of the semester. May or may not enter into the grading consideration, but let's not forget it. Mm. Stuff like that. Yeah, I always always say something and then realize I shouldn't have said something. Yeah. So spreadsheets, though, what's interesting is a lot of the LMSs now will allow you to grade inside the LMS. 
and it has built-in spreadsheets. It'll mm-hmm, do great mm-hmm. calculations for you. But the thing I want to mention, whether or not you use an LMS or if you use a spreadsheet, um, and again, apologies to anyone who will say, duh, of course, this is obvious, but I continue to see this, is there's mm-hmm. no need to make your quizzes or your tests or your assignments <laughs> a multiple of 10. You know where I was going with that, right? There you go. Yeah. You can make a quiz with six questions. The spreadsheet will be able to calculate the percentage for you. And if you have like 10 quizzes and it comes out to 53 questions or 78 questions, for example, it doesn't matter. The use of 10 questions or, you know, 10 points or 20 points or whatever, is to make it easier for calculating by hand. It's For the human mind. Right. right. So it's useful, for example, uh, when I'm giving an assignment like write a paragraph or respond or tell me what you think, then I want those kind of, you know, 20 points or 50 points or 25 points because for my my brain, I can then right, give a general right. grade. Ah, I understand. I'm giving 50 points for this 40. This is a 40 because that's like a low A. This is 45. This is a pretty good A, etc. But if you're making quizzes or tests or anything or homework questions, there's no longer any need to stick with that. That's one of the nice advantages of using a spreadsheet. And you can manipulate that in any way that you want. I mean, it's like, you know, if you have like seven questions on a a little pop quiz, that can be changed to anything. Seven, 100% could be 20 or it could be 30 or it could, you know, just you can just manipulate it after the fact. Right. And it's, yeah, it's exactly, it's easy to change the scoring later because, you know, let's say you give a quiz and it's, uh, let's just say for the sake of simplicity, it's 10 questions and mm-hmm. your average is 3.5. Well, it's really easy to, you know, just change that 3.5 into like a 7 out of 10, which yeah. if you want that for your average, that's one thing. But the other thing, another reason to use the spreadsheets and is to – be able to get your your mean, you know, your average score, but also standard deviations really easily and get yep. to see what your grade distribution is so that you can, you know, give a, a reasonable grade distribution. Um, I, and I use that all the time because my goal is that the average for, let's say, uh, presentations – and my students are self-assessing in the presentations. I don't assess. And I need to get an average because to adjust for the students who are, you know, each other are getting, I'll give you a 90 if you give me a 100 kind of thing. Yep, 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 yep. And in that situation, I can get my average score. And I can say, okay, the student's average for this presentation is, let's say, 90 out of 100. Let's just use those uh, round numbers there. Yep, yep. And I go, well, that's, you know, I want my average to be 75. I want it to be a middle B. I now know how to adjust my scores easily without ever taking out a calculator. I mean, that's a simple drag and drop. You know, type in what equals average and then drag, you know, across the spreadsheet. So, again, Mm -hmm. for those people, and I'm guessing most of our listeners 
are probably reasonably adept at using spreadsheets, but this yeah, is for people. So. For so, people, yeah. you know, there are just different ways to use them. But get your head around the standard deviations, and then you can really get an idea about your grades and what the distribution mm -hmm. is. I know people who do a lot of um, item response, right? Where they're looking at, you know, you might have a question that nobody got right. And then you, hey, hey, you know, I only, you know, 90% of my students got this question wrong. I need to take a look. And then you realize, oh, I didn't have the right distractor there. Mm. And you can then easily take that question out. So just very handy, very useful. Also very good for record keeping in terms of, as you said, Tony, taking yes. notes on your students and uh, being able to, you know, when you take role, you have those comments right there uh, Last week, the student was depressed about, you know, or sad that, you know, their grandfather, grandmother had died, you know, make sure you check into it. And the reason, you know, you could put a note, make a note for yourself, but to be able to have that information in this document that you're using for grading and, for example, my attendance and grading document are the same document in the spreadsheet. Same, same for me. Right? It just helps yep. me understand things. Mm -hmm. And you can do that, by the way, by having different sheets in a, a yes. spreadsheet. You could have an attendance sheet, and then you can have yep. a grade sheet, or you can put it all together. And also, by the way, make sure you learn how to hide columns. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really useful thing uh, for those yeah. who are beginners with spreadsheets. But I think having that information all together is useful, and it's really helpful. And that will work for grading. Uh, and when you've done a spreadsheet, it also lets you get um, a snapshot at any given moment. And so like, right. you know, may, like this point in the semester, maybe late for failure warnings. And you talked about like the use of midterms for that. But, you know, like, for example, like for some people, this uh, last weekend was, you know, November, America, Thanksgiving, long weekend. Um, and holiday in Japan, too, 23rd. Um but you just want to, you know, say, okay, if, you know, let's the pretend today is the last day. What is it? What is everybody's grade now? What would they earn? And it's like, okay, well, you know, whoa, you get some surprises and you can like mention it to the students like, hey, you know, you're, you're underperforming. I, I know you're capable of doing better um, or encourage others or not. Because we we did that one podcast about like the difference in culture, like the different effects of praising somebody and oh, telling right. somebody that they're not doing well, and that by praising a Japanese student, you're likely to negatively impact their their performance in the future. Well, that's your call, but at least you have the information. You can do whatever you want with it. But at any point, you can kind of figure out, um, you know, what your overall students average on and what the individual students are doing. So it's. I don't know. It could, it could be useful. So, so for the next you know, couple of months, do you want to, you know, it's like, oh, they're, everyone, everyone's doing too well. I need to, I need to step this up and make it a little bit more difficult, right. a little more challenging for them. Right. Or the other way. Yeah. And it's, again, for people who are not familiar with using a spreadsheet, it's possible for you to create a column that is just adding up all the scores. And yeah, if you have the maximum total, yeah. scores, you know, available for each activity at the top, and it's calculating the grade for you. And so without doing any work, it's automatically updating and telling you where each student is at a given point in the semester. Very handy. 
But yeah. that's more for handling grades is actually what we've been talking about. Um, what about grading and actually getting through grading? And uh, I was talking with some colleagues and they um, – I think they're collecting papers and this seems to work really well if you have actually hard copies where they do what um, they said was uh, – that was a fast segue. Sorry, Tony. I didn't know if there was. You just any. throw them up. Just throw them up in the air and like separate them in piles. It's A's, close B, C, enough. Z. Close enough. <laughs> you, what you just do is you you just make like three piles, A, C, and F. As let's say for an example, and you just put things and you go, okay, this is pretty good. This is average. This is below average, and you just put them in there. Then you go through and you separate the piles out again into you know high middle low for each thing and they said that and then you go through and you've read you read everything carefully to make any adjustments or comments and they say that works really well for grading and i thought oh that's a really good idea now how would i do that digitally and that was especially if you have an lms now you can be able to download files but it's not as easy to do. And it struck me that that was – ah, that's a good example of how using paper can actually be a better way to go. Well, depending on your LMS – Right. And depending on – or depending on how you yourself are collected them, like outlaw outside the LMS like I used to do, um, that would might be an application for tags. Hmm. Um, because tags, unlike folders, you can have multiple tags. So you can do the initial one, two, three, and then you can add, you know, level one, high, middle, low, level two, middle, low. So then you could just say, like, okay, give me all the tags that are second level, middle. Can you tag, just a thought. Can you tag Microsoft Word documents that way? See, I understand because I know how. Maybe in right. the find in the Mac, my Finder. Yeah, I don't know what the the deal is. I can. I think what I would happen. Look right. You would be able to do it with the Mac in the Finder by using you know yeah. the labels or colors, right? So you'd look yeah. at the document, and one window you're no, you the have Microsoft you have Word infinite. Document. Yeah, so you 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 have the you have the colors, but you can add more. So right. you can assign tags to dream.text. Right. And you can add as many diff- as, as you want. So, yes, if you have a Microsoft Word document, the finder will let you add a tag to it. Right. Or a label or something. Um, so that I can see. Because I remember that you would have students submit their work via email in yeah. the email message. And then you would ju- right. you could directly tag into that email message. Tag exactly. that message and then sort along those yeah. lines. So, yeah, right. So I'm thinking through. That's okay. That's what I could do. I can do that. The LMSs. I don't know. I have to look. I don't think they let me do that. But I did see in one LMS that if the students submit the work directly into the LMS, not as like an uploaded file, you can output everything in a spreadsheet. And then you could just arrange columns or mm-hmm. rows, right? You could move students' work up and down. But it's not the easiest way to read the work yeah. or assess it. But it is possible. Mm-hmm. And 
I think that's also a pretty good way because, you know, when you start grading, what most people do is they'll just start grading from the beginning and they'll give a grade, then the second grade, then the third grade. And then you and, realize that and you have to go the back and you, redo you know, the first you know, 10 again because yeah. the standards have changed. Well, the more information you have, the more likely it is that your grading will become stricter, right? Right. So if you're going to do that, at least randomize the uh, the students' work each time so that they don't suffer by being the first student or the last sure. student who's graded. But again, if you are grading uh, assignments, let's say more qualitatively evaluated assignments, make sure you go through and read them all first the first time quickly if you want just to get a general idea of what people are doing. Don't just start grading. On, but some people will say, well, I can grade because I have a rubric. And mm. rubrics are really helpful for grading and they're helpful for students to figure out what's expected of them so that they can write for the assignment. Mm. Uh, but I always find the rubrics I come up with are always like, okay, let me just change it now. Let me change it now, change it again. And then I have to, what, inform students that I changed the rubric because I'm locked into the rubric. Yeah, and yeah. that's one argument against it. But I also understand why people use it. And, uh, you know, just, you know, figure out what you want to do. But if you can come up with a quick way of, you know, grouping work, That'll give you a general overview, and you'll then be able to, you know, do a more uh, finely tuned assessment, and you're, you'll find that your grades get more, you know, have a better distribution that yep. way, and you have a better idea of why you're giving each grade. Is there anything mm. else on grading we want to cover, Tony? Or the only thing that I would add is just a very general thing about, like again, one of the advantages of spreadsheets to don't procrastinate. You know, if you got, don't, if you have, if like a stack of student papers, if the, the data's not in your spreadsheet, do it now. Don't, don't wait. It's not going to be easier later on. Um, and that's one of the, the nice things about spreadsheets that it does make it easier to, uh, get the information uploaded or input, um, before you need to. And it's there and it get, and it also gives, not only is it done, it's easier. You have more time now. But it also gives you that extra information on which to base your other decisions. That's all. Okay. I'm going to add one more thing. Mm. Add one more thing, which is most schools, finally, they've gotten this to work, allows you to upload a spreadsheet, an Excel file or a CSV file. By the way, for those who don't know, that just means comma-separated values. And it's just a text file that kind of functions in a way that like is a acceptable to a spreadsheet. Yeah, they can read it and translate right, it. Thank yeah. you. And what you do is you you put your grades into the you know you can just copy and paste your grades because it'll be student number. It'll match your your spreadsheet, and you don't have to individually enter each grade. Right, you just upload the whole file. But one big caveat: you really need to be very very careful with the required format. Mm. Make sure the right column is. I mean that the the, the the document that you upload is formatted in a way that matches the destination. True, but that's yeah. not so it, hard. And, no, it's not. And, no, it's not difficult at all. But you just you have to be very careful. Well, this is one of those cases like where you know computers is like, why can't they just figure it out? And like, no, they, 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 
it that 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 LMS needs <laughs> that spreadsheet done a specific way. Period. Well, and you just have to be careful about it. It's not difficult. You just need to be careful. Well, at one school I work at, where for years you couldn't upload a CSV file or a spreadsheet from Mac to do the grades that ah. way. Finally, finally, they changed something so that now you can do that. But the you'll have like less error if you do this, and you're yes because you know, you're not you know yeah you're not inputting it twice. You just in, have it once, and you see it, and it's there because yeah you're working with their system, and you're like it's midnight, and you're like going through like page after page, and there's up mistakes happen, and, and they're much less likely to happen if you can just minimize the number of times that you have to manually input the grades. And this is an example of something that is really troublesome the first time you do it, and it's going to increase your work and the amount of time it takes. But the payoff after that in terms of save time is relatively significant. Okay. Shall we move to our final thing, which is... I guess so. Winter break. What do you want to do on a winter break? How do you make the best use of it? Do nothing, <laughs> and that's and that's actually an advice, right? Um, chill. It's not a bad thing to reward yourself. It's you know, it's you've earned it, and if you've been using spreadsheets and keeping them up to date, you'll have the time to be able to do that. And if you've you know, thought pre thought about your syllabus, you've done it already and thought about it, all that's done. Then yeah, you just um, chill. Yes, because I can tell you that. There's a, a place I, I worked at, and every year they would make a syllabus due the day after the end of the vacation, the winter break. Isn't that funny? I don't. I wouldn't mind that. I would really much rather have it the day after the break than before the break, which I've also had. Now, see, um, I would prefer but, it before the break or yeah, but way you, after but you and I the break. Th- think differently about this a lot. And like, like for example, you're like like summer vacation and winter vacation. You're like anti homework, right? Right. And I have no problem with with some classes um, having giving that time, and and when they come back. They've got to have whatever project it is that they've been working on done. Um, I, I used I used to do that a lot. Huh. I, I totally disagree with that. My attitude is that you know vacation is a vacation, and give the students time off and away from you know school so that they can refresh. But I understand there's also the argument, which is well, they didn't really do anything during the semester. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my argument. But but again, my, my thing was like it's it's almost always project. It's not just you know complete like a uh, X number of like study sheets or some stuff. No, it's um you know presentations, uh projects, something more fluid, more creative. And it's like, well, yeah, we've got to do it. You know, we got we come back in January. We've got two weeks. When are you going to do the work? You're going to do it on winter break. That That's just how it goes. Sorry. Well, I see the value in the summer break in a sense where it's so long. It's long. They forget yeah. a lot of things. And you have to kind of reboot from the beginning of the fall semester. This is if you have a year-round class. But, you know, the the break 
the winter break in Japan for universities has just has gone from what it used to be like three weeks, three and a half weeks. It's down to like one week now at some schools. Yeah, I don't remember it being that long, but yeah, it's no, like from the twenty third. It used to be from the, the emperor's old emperor's birthday until the uh, yeah, but they have trimmed that January. It's like it used to be like at least a week in January, at least right. It would be so. It, was, it used to be at least two weeks, and and it's gotten trimmed a bit. School would start after what is it? Adults' day, adults' yeah, day, or yeah. something, which would be mm. like the first. Monday or something I forget or the second Monday it would be basically you would be off from Maybe the December 20th to January 10th or so mm. and now I look and like I'm from January or December 24th to mm. and then back in school on January 4th or something mm. yeah mm. what happened there yeah well Maybe it means you spring vacation starts earlier. Maybe it means I, I did know. something wrong. No, spring vacation. <laughs> you are bad. No, no, spring You're vacation bad, does not start did something earlier bad. at these schools. In fact, yeah. these schools go longer ah. than the other schools would have. Yeah, I know one university in, in, in Kyoto that like I just refused to – people that kept saying, go there, go there, go there. It's like, nah, no, they work on Christmas. <laughs> not, not me. <laughs> not, I, don't do that. Yeah. I don't do that. Or I, I, I think about it sometimes where winter break, you know, you'll have like the last class will be on a Monday and then winter mm -hmm. break starts on a Tuesday. And ah, video day. Well, I always <laughs> like it. I always like it. I don't like it. No, actually, it makes me crazy. Is I will say to students, okay. Who is coming to class on that Monday? And like all the students raise their <laughs> and hands. Then you say, "Who really is coming?" No, no, no. And then you say, <laughs> and then you, you ask, "Who's not coming?" And it took me a while to figure this out because you know what happened is I would show up on the Monday with the lesson plan, no, and there. there'd be like two students, in, yeah, in each class because the students are telling you what they think you want to hear. I don't understand right. that they mm. will tell you what they think you want to hear, but lie to you. <laughs> So I've always no, uh, there's a lot of that there's a lot of that in Mexico too. So the only way they don't I, like giving bad news. Okay, so the only way I found to solve that problem was I tell my students, okay, close your eyes and put your heads down, <laughs> and then you ask <laughs> you ask, okay, how many people are really coming? And it's amazing how few hands come up, <laughs> and then you count and you say, okay, just so you know, put your heads heads up. I say. Out of 25 people, 20 people said they're not coming, and five people said they're coming. So let's do this again. Put your heads down. How many people are not coming on the Monday? And then, of course, the five students who said they were coming say, I'm not coming, because they don't want to be in the class with only five students. Right. And I've also had a situation where one student shows up and they are traumatized that they are going to have to spend. I always have that. I always had that. It's like there's always one, and it's the per it's the, the never the person you'd expect. Right. It's like it's like he's he or she's he's the guy out of the loop. Everybody else says, you coming to come in? No, I'm not coming. I'm coming. And this is the one guy they didn't ask. This is the one who's should. been absent like, like 10 hey, times. Hey, how you been doing? <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> well, what happens, yeah, I get sometimes I get that or you get another student. But when, they, when they're the, or there's only one or two students, they're just like, what? Whoa. 
And then oh, yeah. you say, well, you know, what are we going to do? I say, well, if there's only two of you, you just – I guess we're just going to sit and talk and have a conversation. And you can see the fear, ah. the fear in their eyes and they're like, can I leave now? <laughs> Dear Santa. <laughs> and I, I always got – I always had videos like stacked up in there. So I'd say, okay. It's like, it's like you know, we can, we can do this. We can do this. Or we can watch a Christmas video. Oh, video. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Christmas yeah. videos are are helpful in terms of cultural. They're used. They're all all kinds of ways, and you know, and I and I don't just don't just show the video, but the vocabulary on the board. Uh, it's like watch for this, watch for this, watch for this. Cultural differences, you know, things that don't make any sense if you're not from North America, and with this, and then afterwards discussion. So yeah, I mean, I pad it out. But you know, I I do try to de-traumatize them a bit because yeah, they they're always they're looking around the room and it's like, woof. Okay, well maybe that's a good place to stop on woof. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think, I think so. I mean, winter break, student conferences, maybe. Yeah, you feeling ambitious? Do some research on. You know, either, you know, methodology or, you know, tools like, you know, play, play a bit with GPT, learn how to use it because it can be useful. Um, and then just maybe sit back and reflection and, okay, next year, how do I make things easier and better? I think that's important. Easier hmm. and better. Right. I think, like I said, those are not mutually exclusive. No, they, you can. You can make things. You can do your. You can do your teaching better, and you can make it easier at the same time. And that's worth some time. And so, I, a good way to spend your holiday. I would really suggest it has to be both. Mm. If if it's really better, if it's more efficient and effective in producing better results in the students, and it creates less work for you, that yep. is the goal. Yeah, and that's worth I, some time. And I agree with you. It's a good time during the break to play with something like spreadsheets or ChatGPT in a very low-key, yeah. slow way, or learn a new app, or you know, like a note-taking app or something along those lines, or you know, work on you know, for example, how to make better recordings, or you might want to figure out you know, learn a little bit about document design. There's yeah, and try to make it not work. Right. <laughs> try to make it fun. <laughs> Learning things is fun. Make it fun. Make it interesting for you. Don't make it work. Make it, you know, exploration, something new, something different, some stimulation. It's like, yeah. And then, be a big day. How did that work? And how can I do that with my classes? And there you go. And so. the key to that, the key, I think, Tony, is that whatever you're learning or working on, during the break, will not mm. be used when you come back. It's for mm. further oh. down the line. And that okay. removes okay. the pressure yeah. and makes it more fun and enjoyable and makes it more of a learning experience. But if you're cool. going to have that deadline of, I need to have this ready by... No, 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 no. Yeah. yeah. I don't like that already. <laughs> okay. So let's stop there. Mm. Okay. So. so this is it for the 2023. I mean, we'll be back January 1st. I mean, we'll, we will record before January 1st, but this is the last one of the year. So happy holidays, folks, yes. from a very, very chilly Chicago. Really cold here. Okay. And happy holidays <laughs> to everybody. And oh. uh, 
We will post again on January 1st with our New Year's wishes, but we hope that everyone has happy, pleasant, enjoyable, and refreshing holidays. Yes, and let's hope for a little more peace worldwide. Let's hope for a lot more peace worldwide. Yeah. Okay. I'm Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. And we're Two Teachers Talking, and you know where to find us at twoteacherstalking at gmail.com. Our website is twoteacherstalking.com. Are we anywhere else, Tony? We're not Uh, on Twitter. We're not on Facebook. We're not on Instagram or anything, right? We might have been on both Facebook and Twitter, but not actively, so that's kind of those are both kind of dead ends. Okay, so But anyway, two teachers.com. That's 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 the place. And Two teachers talking at gmail.com. There okay, you go. Tony. Let happy us holidays. Yeah. Happy holidays, Chuck. See ya. <laughs> Bye now. Alrighty. righty.